Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my podcast once again. Hope all of you are doing well. In my last podcast, I narrated the story. In fact, uh, only half part of the story, the Marquois and Miss Sally. So I'm completing or rather concluding with the remaining part of it and hope all of you are going to enjoy it. Give me a feedback if possible, like, you know, how you are enjoying my stories. And I've decided that every week at least I'll be narrating uh, two stories, not only one, which I've been doing at least uh, one story in one month. But instead of that, I decided that I'll be doing two stories in two months. Uh, hopefully you are going to enjoy all the stories. Uh, incidentally, let me tell you that I narrate stories or tell stories uh, which are written by world-famous writers across the time, across the ages. Uh, people like, uh, I mean, very, very famous writers like uh, C.S. Forrester, Somerset Maugham, Gede Mopasa, O. Henry, and the likes. So I continue with the second part of the story which I began some time ago. So here we go. The Marquis and Miss Sally. Second part. No fellers and citizens continued phonograph. Them spectacles you have in the merited air share grievous and the way you yonder close to the t solution, solution but the ain't it. The most crevice spectacle of that, he pointed to Miss Sally, who was still rubbing his streaming eyes, a trusting and a vigiled female, a whipping tears on account of her heart being busted by a false deceiver. Are we men or ere we can amounts to gaze upon the buttoning of Miss Sally's affections by aristocrat? which has come among us with his superior beauty and his glittering towel uh, to give the whips uh, to the lovely critter we air bound to protect. Ere we are going to act like man and we are going to keep on eating soggy bound chuck uh, from her crying so plentiful over the bread plan. It's galloping shame on the dry creek with a snuffle. It ain't human, I have noticed. A varmint, a palavarin, round her frequent, and him a marquo. Ain't that a terrible funny? It's something like king and brushy chick of uh, kid hasten to explain. Only lower in the deck, guess it comes in between the jack and ten spot. Don't misconstruct me, went on phonograph as undervaluing the aristocrats. Some of them are proper people and can travel right along the Watson bars. I've heard some of them have viewed the elephant with a mare of force word. And I have listened to the owl and the general passenger agent of Caddy, and they can keep up with the percussion uh, from a very light chunk, but from a markway, monkeys uh, with the innocent affection of a cook lady may inquire what case seems to call for. 
The little Charlotte Tri Creek Smithers, your hardened charter and the kids form of collaboration. We have got a company, as entered the Cowbunchers and Chorus, before Marquis realized their intention, two of them seized him by each arm and led him to the log. Photograph Daffy self-appointed to carry of the sentence stood ready with a pair of stout leather leggings in his hands. It was the first time they had ever laid hands on Marquis during what some of the rude sports. What you're up to, he asked indignantly with flashing eyes. Go easy, Marquis, whispered uh, Ruby Fallows. One of the boys that held him. It's all the fun. Take it in good nature, and they will let you off light. They're only going to stretch you over the log and tap you eight or ten times for the leggings. You don't hurt much. The marker with an exclamation of anger, his white teeth gleaming suddenly, exhibited a surprising strength. He wrenched with his arms and so violently that four men were swayed and dragged many years with the log. A cry of anger escaped him, and then Miss Sally, with his eyes cleared of the tobacco saw, immediately mixed with the struggling group. But at that moment a loud hollow rang in their ears, and a buckboard, uh, drawn by a team of galloping mustangs, spun to the camp's fire circle of light. Every man turned to look, and what they drove from their minds, all thoughts of carrying out phonograph Davis' rather time-worn contribution to the evening amusement. Bigger game than the marquee was at hand, and his captors released him, stood staring at the approaching victim. The bugboard and the team belonged to Sam Holly, a cattleman and a big muddy. Sam was driving with him and was stout, smooth-faced, wearing a frock coat and a high silk hat. That was County Judge Mr. Dave Hackett, candidate for re-election. Sam was scouting him about the county among the camps to shake up the sovereign voters. The men got out, hitched the team to a mesquite, walked toward the fire. Instantly, every man in the camp except Marquis, Miss Sally and Spink Saunders, who had to play host, uttered a frightful yell of azure terror and fled on all sides through the darkness. Heavens alive, exclaimed Hackett. Are we as ugly as that? How do you do, Mr. Saunders? Glad to see you again. What are you doing to my hat, Holly? I was afraid of this hat, said Sam Holly. Meditatively, he had taken the hat from Hackett's hand and was holding in his hand, looking dubiously around at the shadows beyond the firelight where now absolute stillness reigned. What do you think, Saunders? Pink grinned. Beryl evaded to some, he said, in the tone of giving disinterested advice. The light ain't none too good. I wouldn't want it on my head. Holly stepped up the hub of the wind hill of the grab wagon and hung the hat upon the lump of a live oak. Scarcely had his foot reached the ground when a crash of a limb of a live oak 
dozen shooters spit the air and the hat fell to the ground riddled with bullets. A hissing noise heard as if some score of rattlesnakes now. The cow punches emerged on all sides from the darkness, stepping high with ridiculously exaggerated caution, hissing to one another to observe the utmost prudence in approaching. They formed a solemn white circle about the hat, gazing at it manifest alarm and seized every few moments by the little stampedes of panicky flight. Is a varmint, said one in odd tones, that flits up and down in the low grounds at night, saying, Willy Wallow. Is a venomous kippotum, proclaimed another, it stings after it's dead, and hollers after it barred. Is a chief of the hairy tribe, said Phonograph Davis, but it's stone dead now, boys. Don't you believe it? Demarns Dry Creek, it's only potassium. Is a dreaded high gallicum fantood from the forest, and there is only one way to destroy its life. He let forward Old Toller, a 20-foot pound cow puncher. Old Toller placed the hat upright on the ground and solemnly sat upon it, crushing it as flat as a pancake. He got at view these proceedings with wide eyes and some holy saw that his anger was rising and said to him, Here's where you win or lose, judge. There are sixty votes on the diamond cross, and the boys are trying to meddle. Take it as a joke, I don't think you'll regret it. And Hackett saw the point and rose to the occasion. Advancing where the slayers of the wild beast were standing above its remains, and declaring it to be defunct, said with deep earnestness, Boys, I must thank you for this gallant rescue while driving through the Garraway. That cruel monster that you have so fearlessly and repeatedly slaughtered sprang upon us from top tree. To you I shall consider that I owe my life, and also I hope re-election to the office for which I am again a candidate. Allow me to hand you my card. The cow punches always so sober-faced while engaged in monkey shines relaxed to the, into a grain of approval. But phonograph Davis, his appetite for fun, not yet appeased, had something more up his sleeve. Bonner, he said, addressing Hackett with a grave severity, many camps would be down on you for turning loose a pernicious environment like that and that, but being as we all escaped without loss life, you will overtook it. You can play square with us if you'll do it. How's that? he asked Hackett suspiciously. You're authorized to perform the sacred rites and lefts of matrimony, are you? Well, yes, supplied Hackett, a marriage ceremony conducted by me would be legal. A wrong heir to be righted in this camp, said Phonograph, very virtuously. An aristocrat and slighted, humble, but uh, bucose female, what's the pinning for his affections? Is a judicial account to drag forth the half the descendants of a hundred or maybe a hundred twenty-five earls? 
even so at the point of Lariat and Chinney, him to the whipping lady fellows, round up Miss Sally and Marquay, they're going to be wedding. The whim of Honorgrass was received with hopes and appreciation. The cowpounders started to apprehend the principles of the proposed ceremony. Carly proud me, said Hackett, wiping his forehead, though the night was cool. How far this thing to be carried, and, and might expect any farther portions of my arraignment uh, to be mistaken for wild animals killed? The boys are livelier than usual tonight, said Saunders. The ones they're talking about marrying are two boys, a hard rider and a cook. It's another joke. You and Sam will have to sleep here tonight anyhow. Perhaps you'd better see them through it. Maybe they will quiet down after that. The matchmakers found Miss Sally seated on the tongue of the grave wagon, calmly smoking his pipe. And Marcus was leaning idly against one of the trees under which the supply tent was pitched. Into this tent they were both hustled and phonographed. A master of ceremonies gave orders for the preparations. You dry chick, Jimmy, and Ben Toller, bump yourselves to the wild wood and rustle flowers for the blowout. Mesquit will do and get the Spanish dagger blossom at the corner of the horse, quarrel for the bride to pack. You lumpy, get out that red, that yellow banquet of your yearning for Miss Sally. Skirt, Marquis, you will do that, fixing nobody. Don't ever look at a groom. During their absent preparation, the two principals were left alone for a few moments in the rant, and Marquis sadly showed wild perturbation. This foolishness must not go on, he said, turning toward Miss Sally, a face white and light of the lantern hanging to the rich bowl. Why not, as the cook, with an amused smile, it's fun for the boys, and they have always let you off pretty light in their frolics. I don't mind it. But you don't stand, persisted Marcus pleadingly. The man is a county judge, and his acts are binding. I can't. Oh, you don't know. The cook stepped forward and took Marquis' hand. Sally Bosom, Boscom, he said, I know. You know, faltered Marquis trembling, and you want to. More than I ever wanted anything, will you? Here come the boys. The carbons was crowded and laden with armfuls of decorations. But Phidias caught, said the phonographs, sternly addressing Marquis. Are you willing to patch up the damage you have done? Ere this slab-sided but, but trusting bunch of calicos by a single footing easy to alter, or you will have to ropey drag you that. The Marquis pushed back his hat and leaned jauntily against some high-piled sacks of beans. His cheek was flushed with eyes were shining. Go on with that rat-killing, said he. A little while after a procession approached the tray under the Hecate Halley, and Saunders was sitting smoking. Limpy Walker was in the lead, extracting doleful tone of his concertina. Next came the bride and the groom, 
the cook all the gorgeous Navajo blanket tied around his waist and carried in one of the waxen white Spanish dagger blossom as large as a pick measure, weighing fifty pounds. His hat was ornamented with mesquite branches, yellow ratama blossoms, as resurrected mosquito birds served as veil. After stumbled after them stumbled phonographs, Davis and the character of bright fathers whipping into a saddle blanket and with sobs that could easily hard mile away, cow punches followed by toes, loudly commanding upon the bride's appearance, its in supposed imitation of the audiences at fashionable weddings. Hackett rose as the procession halted for him, and after a little lecture upon the matrimony, asked, What are your names? Sally and Charles answered the cook. John Hounds, Charles and Sally, perhaps. There was never a stranger waiting, for waiting it was. The only two of those present knew it. When the ceremony was over, the cowpunches gave one yell of congratulations and immediately abandoned their foolery for the night. Blankets were unrolled and slip became a paramount question. The cook divested his decorations and Marquis lingered for a moment in the shadow of the grau wagon. The Marquis leaned her head against his shoulder. I don't know what else to do, she was saying. Father was gone, and we kids had to rustle. I had helped him so much with the cattle that I thought I would turn a cowboy. There wasn't anything else I could make it living. I wasn't much struck on it, though, after I got here, and I had left only. Only what? You know, tell me something. When did you first? What made you? Oh, it was soon as we struck the camp when Saunders bowled out the Marco and Miss Sally. I saw how rattled you got at the name. I had my sus. Chicky whispered the Marquis, and what should you think what I thought he was calling me, Miss Sally, because answered the cook calmly. I was a Marquis, and my father was Marquis of Bordeaux, and you will excuse that. Won't you, Sally? It was really my fault, you know. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the narration of the story, The Marquis and Sally. Hope you have enjoyed it. Thank you very much once again.